This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome back to our Be Well podcasts. Today we're going to discuss prioritising sleep and how to increase your chances of getting a good night's sleep. We've had a lot of interest in today's episode and I'm delighted to be joined by you all today. Before we get started, can we do some quick introductions so our listeners know who you are and why you have volunteered to be part of today's episode? Hi, I'm Lorna Thompson. I work in the School of Education. I'm PA to the head of school, actually. Um, and I'm also a mental health first aider in the School of Education. So this topic of sleep, you know, I'm really interested in. Uh, I've had a few colleagues chatting about sleep. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to a good discussion. Hi, I'm Anna Goldhawk. I work for ISA Advice as Student Advisor on Wellbeing and Accommodation. Um, I volunteered to do the podcast today because I've listened to a few of the others and I recommend them to students, um, but also as someone who deals with some mental health issues myself and is a notoriously bad sleeper, I thought it'd be quite interesting to be part of the discussion. Hi, I'm Georgia May Drennan and I'm a fourth year student at Aberdeen. I study English literature and French and I've come on today because I really enjoyed doing the previous podcast. Um, and also I just think sleep is a very interesting topic that is so important to everybody, whatever is going on in their life. Hi, I'm Kayleigh Innes and I'm in third year studying psychology and sociology. And like Georgia May, I took part in another podcast, which I quite enjoyed, so I thought it would be good to do another. And I was also just very interested in the topic of sleep. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. And thank you so much for joining me. So it may seem obvious, but sleep is hugely important, especially when we're studying. Getting a good night's sleep will help you to learn at your best, improve your state of mind, and you will hopefully feel happier too. But what is a good night's sleep? Is the length what's important or is it more about the quality? What do you guys think? So as someone who, like I said, is a notoriously bad sleeper, I I kind of go between the two, I'll be completely honest. Um, I need a lot of sleep though, I know that much. And I know that if I get anything less than eight hours, it's not great for me. But my partner's completely different. He can survive on six and regularly does six, possibly seven hours. So I think it varies from person to person, depending on what you get out of your sleep or how you, I think also like metabolism and, and your sort of daily routines and lifestyle as well. But I, I know for me, I think it's about knowing what you need um, as an individual and, and trying to, to, to achieve that every night. But I'm I'm one of those people that, like I say, notoriously bad sleeper. So I I'm constantly waking up. I'm a I'm a talker. Apparently I'm a snorer, which I deny, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> he's got evidence. So, um, so yeah, I think in terms of length or quality, I think it depends on the person, and I think it can vary depending on 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 what you need to get out of your own sleep habits. For me, I think quality benefits me the most, but I think obviously the difficult part with that is just you can never determine the quality of sleep you're going to get I can either get a great night's sleep or the worst it's just so difficult to know so I think what's kind of the important thing is just trying to make sure that you set yourself up for a good length of time of sleep and obviously hope that you get a good quality but yeah I think it's very much a combination of both 
Yeah, I would definitely agree, Anna, and with yourself as well, Kayleigh. I think um, I've got two young children, so before I had kids, I would absolutely have agreed with you, Kayleigh, like 100%. But after having young children and being up through the night and things, I think I'm more so of the opinion that it's not as much, you know, if if you get a good night's sleep, it's almost like a bonus. <laughs> so, um, you know... Especially in the, the, the early sort of days when the kids are very, very young. I think, um, you know, and if you wear one of these Fitbits or something, you know, and it tells you how much sleep you've had. And if you've had deep sleep and you're like, no, that's not right. That's not right. But you, I think, you know, you, you, want, you want to think to yourself that you're having like a good long, you know, conscious bit of sleep. But actually, a lot of the time you're not. But And then now I would say that actually sometimes if I don't if I do have interruptions in the night I don't stress about it so much because I know it's okay you know other nights will be better and will be easier but yeah I would definitely agree that before I would have agreed with you Kayleigh but now I'm like sleep is a bonus (laughs) I think what I sort of do I I absolutely get you Lorna because I think what I sort of do now as I've got older is I know because I know I'm quite a bad sleeper anyway, naturally, and I do do lots of different things, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about that, that I try and helps me. But I, I think what I now do is I, I make sure that I schedule in my mind at least eight or nine, sometimes even 10 hours. And that sounds extreme. And to a mother, I'm sure that sounds like, oh my God, seriously. Um, But I sometimes schedule that in my mind and say to myself, right, if I aim to get to bed at like you know 10 o'clock at night and I know that I don't really need to get up until like eight o'clock half seven eight o'clock in the morning it means that there's no way I know I I know I'm not going to sleep for that entire time because I know that I have restless nights and I wake up and it takes me longer to get back to sleep once I've been up and things like that but because I give myself that amount of time it stops that stress panic kind of trying to sleep which I always used to suffer from where I literally would count down the hours and I would be literally waking up at four o'clock in the morning going right I've got four hours to sleep waking up again at five right I've got three hours to sleep and it's that kind of horrible mental psychological countdown that is actually stopping you from sleeping and I think by scheduling I suppose quite a lot of time that's my sort of rest relaxation downtime sleep time is that when I don't fall asleep straight away, it's not too much of a stress to me because I just sort of go, right, okay, maybe I'll just read a book for half an hour or I'll listen to podcast or some music or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think because I sort of schedule that time, it makes it easier to do that. And I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, I suppose, is that not to just sit and toss and turn and stress myself out if I've not fallen asleep or I've woken up and I've not been able to get back to sleep within about 20 minutes half an hour I have to break the cycle and I get up or I you know I actually do get up because I have to leave my bed because otherwise I'll just you know sit and you know so I have to get up either walk around go for a drink or whatever just to break that cycle of sitting there going I need to sleep I need to sleep I need to sleep so I think that's what for me how I've sort of tackled some of that is I give myself a huge amount of time so like you say Lorna that way you don't you're not sort of stressing about well it's okay if I'm not sleeping because at least I'm relaxing or or that kind of thing so yeah it's quite I think that's how I do it 
Yeah, I would fully, fully agree, guys, and completely like what you said at, at the start, Anna, like how much we sleep varies throughout our life as well, like varies from person to person and through different stages of our lives. So like as adults, we should aim between for seven and nine hours approximately every night. But for example, teenagers can sometimes sleep up to 10 hours and like a lot of people can say teenagers are la- lazy, but actually there's a lot of research out there to say that there's a lot of growth and development that happens in the teenage years. So they do actually require to sleep for a longer period of time t- for their bodies to recover. And I guess it's similar to like babies and infants, because of course, like, you know, when a, a brand new baby's born, they sleep for like 15, 16 hours a day. And that's because there's a lot of growth and development happening at, happening at that time. And that's why they need to sleep for so much longer. And I think as you get older in life as well, certainly when you start to become more more elderly, often they sleep more regularly, but for less period of time. So for less, so they won't sleep for maybe seven hours at a time. It'll be a few hours, like those on and off throughout the day. And that can often be down to a number of factors, but one being that they there's not so much growth and development happening at that stage in your life. And also that, Sometimes there can be on medication that can disrupt their sleep cycles as well. They might be in a lot of pain or or whatnot. So I guess we've kind of explored now maybe, maybe why we sleep, how much sleep we maybe actually need, varies from person to person. But what happens when we don't get enough sleep? How do we feel? I certainly have lower mood, struggle to concentrate or get motivated. How do you guys feel in terms of mental health? not having such a good night's sleep affects you? I actually get really emotional, like very teary. I can't cope with the day, you know, and I just, it's terrible. Like anything will set me off. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. And I just, and I've always been like that, even before I had children, by the way. (laughs) But yeah, I just, it's a horrible feeling. It's just, yeah. And then also you're exhausted in the afternoon. I find that and then, yeah, because there's been a few times through, throughout this um, pandemic, you know, and you obviously think you're fine and you're really not fine and you don't sleep well at night. And then in the afternoon, I'm trying to work and I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And then I feel myself getting upset because I'm so tired, which is ridiculous because it's not really a reason to get upset. But I guess it's just a kind of cycle thing, isn't it? I I feel the same as Lorna. I get, uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> And, you know, there's so many times I'll just, the silliest things annoy me. And I know exactly why it is. It's because I've not had enough sleep. I've not, you know, rested. I've not let my mind rest. Because you do need that time to let well, your body and your mind just recharge. And, yeah, if I don't get it. And I also think it's probably a good thing to use as an excuse. You know, you're like, oh, I can't do that today because I'm too tired. And I'm too, t- and so if we continually, if continually don't get the right amount of sleep, then we'll just continually put off tasks and put, so then we are not going to be productive at all. But there have been far too many days where I just blame everything on my tiredness. <laughs> and it, it is a good excuse because it is reasonable, but there's too many things that aren't getting done because I'm tired. Oh, it's so good to hear like you guys talk. I I completely, completely agree with both of what you said. I am such an emotional person, regardless of whether I sleep or not, if I'm honest. But 
when I've not slept. Honestly, Lorna, I feel you so much when you said that. I will cry at the drop of a hat. I, I cry at like RSPCA adverts. I cry at losing my sock in the laundry. You know, it just, it can be anything. And the worst part about it is it, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling, whether I'm sad or whether I'm happy or whether, you know, it's just the tears are just like right under the surface for sure. Um, I think mental health wise, as someone who, um, I'll put it out there, I was diagnosed as bipolar um, a number of years ago. So as someone who already manages a mental health condition, I know how important it is for me to get my sleep because I see how negatively it, it really does affect my mood. Um, and sometimes for me, if I have a low mood day, that can be a trigger for a sort of bad period of low moods for me. So it, it's often really important to make sure that I keep on top of my sleep patterns because I know the impact it can then have and the knock-on impact it can have. Um, but yeah, definitely emotional. Um, I make a lot of mistakes. I'm super clumsy when I'm tired. Like, guaranteed the day that I've not had any sleep will be the day that I pour my coffee all over my worktop. It will be the day that I, you know, drop something on the floor and break it or, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think in terms of like functioning when you are tired and you've not had enough sleep, it, it definitely has an impact. But but I think it's an, essentially what was said before as well about you feel like your focus and your ability to do anything and you're so lethargic. And I think if that continues on a day to day basis, I think fair enough, we all have days where we feel tired and, you know, we've not had the best night's sleep or or whatever. But I think there is that risk as it continues if you if that's a continuous thing that's night after night after night it can really start to deteriorate your mental health and your well-being and and i think that sometimes what what we don't always recognize because it's like you say it's always very easy to say oh it's just i'm just tired or i've had a tough day or you know i didn't sleep well last night or even the pandemic you know we're all feeling lethargic because we're not getting out and doing the activities and the exercise that we used to so i think it's very easy to use it as an excuse, but because we're easily using it as an excuse, it's also very easy to forget how many times we've said that and how many days in a row we felt the same way because we are, it's easy to mask. It's socially acceptable to be the tired person because of everything that's going on. So yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's good to be able to recognise when that's becoming a problem, I suppose. I think what it is about being tired so often as well as sometimes you can recognize it but often like undermine it yourself as for me at least when I'm feeling so tired I notice that it's affecting just my day in general be it my mood my abilities just everything but maybe like the night before when I'm struggling to get to sleep but maybe I try to not acknowledge it too much I kind of forget about the aspects it's going to actually affect the next day and then the next day I'll realize that just things are bothering me so much more than it actually normally would and that I may be struggling to actually like process things in the same way and it just generally affects so much things that you don't always necessarily think of. Yeah I I'm, like, agree with Kaylee and I think I, I read somewhere that this daytime tiredness after not getting a good night's sleep the effects of it are really similar to the effects of being drunk and I was like oh gosh like yes it's so true like imagine you know sitting down at your computer trying to write an essay after you've been out like and it is such a similar feeling and I just thought that was a pretty good way of explaining it in a succinct way 
Yeah, absolutely. You guys have raised some really, really good points. And I totally um concur about the kind of sensation of being drunk when, when you're tired. Um, I think I, I read somewhere as well that like your cognitive thinking ability is like the same kind of same concentration of in your blood as you would alcohol which is over the above like safe drinking driving limit in Scotland which is actually really really scary to think of that how many times are we getting behind the wheel when we're actually too tired to be driving and you know we're not above the the legal drinking driving limit but actually our our function and our cognitive thinking is and it's really dangerous and it's also something to think about for people who possibly like work with machinery in their their day-to-day job like they're using that machinery but maybe their their brain's not fully functioning and it obviously increases your your chances of injury kind of as you said Anna like being being a little bit more clumsy and like even simple rule-based decision might not really be affected too much by by lack of sleep but things like your creative divergent initiative thinking when you're trying to maybe write an essay or something like that's going to be lacking so I think it is important to have have that balance of oh I'm too tired today so like I'll, I'll do that tomorrow when your brain is is going to have a little bit more capacity you're going to be able to you know get the creative juices flowing because you're not feeling as tired but like you say um it's really important to recognise if that does continue because the consequences of continually not getting enough sleep or having the quality of your sleep can really, really quickly affect your your full mental well-being and it can, you know, stimulate a lot of adverse reactions within within your body. So it's it's really something to look out for if it is continuing. Um and we will just touch a little bit on later ways that we can try to increase our risk of get not increase our risk increase our chances of getting a better night's sleep but yeah definitely something something to think about I think we all know that like sleep's important for our health but lack of sleep as we said can have adverse effects on our cognitive function but it can also have adverse effects on our physical health so lack of sleep affects like our hormones relating to stress our mood our appetite immune systems but lack of sleep can also help ha- uh, lack of sleep can also affect our health behaviors so for example if you're feeling tired you're probably not going to go to the gym you're probably going to come home and you know reach for some chocolate or some sweets i personally know that i do if i'm tired is this something that you guys can relate to um why do you think that is comfort <laughs> i think is my main thing uh I think it's a a comfort thing and when you're feeling tired a lot of that can feel like you're low like you said before in terms of how it makes us feel mentally and when we feel like that mentally physically I think it's natural human instinct to want to comfort and to want to maybe even hide a little bit as well you know and you know not be as social um I think that's been really, unfortunately, probably very easy to do in the current pandemic because it's probably a lot easier. I know I'm guilty of not being the most social person anyway. And when lockdown happened and, you know, we we weren't able to go out, I was kind of like, cool, this works for me. This is the, you know, this is what I've been doing the whole whole time. And and now it's acceptable (laughs) to not be as active. But I, I have really, I suppose, really missed that. But I think it is it's it's kind of about how you 
sorry, I've totally lost my train of thought. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to say that it's kind of about how we feel and what we need to do in terms of comforting ourselves, like hot baths or sleeping on the sofa. I think for me, like as soon as I'm feeling tired and I don't want to do anything and I'm, I'm, I, I genuinely will sit unmotivated on the sofa. But also I think what's really bad is that you then can focus, like your mental health will focus on how unproductive you're being and how like actually I probably didn't, I shouldn't be sitting like a slob on the sofa and, and I've, I've totally wasted my day now and that's actually made me feel worse because I didn't do anything about it. And I think that can sometimes be a bit of a vicious cycle. Can I add a word to your to your word there, Anna? I would say comfort eating. Yes. Like that's a major thing. I don't know about you guys, yes. but yes. <laughs> if I'm tired the next day, I'm like chocolate crisps. Just give me all. Just something in this cupboard is going to make me feel better and less tired. And I know it's here somewhere. But yeah, for sure, comfort eating is it's just comfort, isn't it? With all the good stuff. Yeah, I get that. And you kind of go, oh, maybe a wee bit of sugar will, you know, waken me up or maybe. And you're like, no, it won't. You're just making excuses so you can eat rubbish. <laughs> but you go, oh, I'm tired. So maybe this will make me feel better. Oh, maybe I need some salt. I'll have some crisps. Maybe I need some like sugar. I'll have some sweets. I'll have some chocolate. That'll perk me up. Yeah, for like five minutes. <laughs> It's so funny. I completely agree. My partner's got to the point where he's even put a sticker on our like sweets cupboard that says, you're not hungry, you're thirsty. <laughs> Which I thought was genius, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, like you say, George May, like when you have that sugary hit, like it, it does, for me, it does help, but it's very, very short lived. So like, I think, you know, our last um, podcast was on diet and nutrition so we probably would have covered kind of that stuff within that episode but yeah I think it's looking for food that will that will will fill you up for longer as well which slowly releases your energy rather than the just quick burst of something that maybe a bar of chocolate will give you but definitely I know like having like some pasta does not give you the same hit as a bar of chocolate does so it is about that balance too <laughs> I think when I'm tired, the thing that I struggle most with is like the whole thought process of actually like doing something because I know that afterwards I'm going to feel tired when I already feel tired just now and I'm going to be more tired and it's just the whole thought of that is just so like a mentally draining thought and I'm like I'd just rather not do it at all and it just kind of has like a knock-on effect and absolutely everything and like you've said like trying to get like a burst of energy be it through like a sugary food or drink like I become quite reliant on that and then very like short term I will get that but then afterwards I just feel so much worse because it's went away and I'm back to feeling tired and I'm like why did I even bother it's just not even helped yeah 100% it's really interesting that we're all kind of displaying similar experiences which is you know, it's really good for me to know that I'm not the only person that, that struggles with that and will reach for the sugary treats way too often. So I think it's clear that nearly everyone at some stage in their life will expe um, experience difficulties with sleep, whether it is falling asleep or staying asleep. So there is like a number of things we can do to increase our chances of having a good night's sleep. Do you guys have any sleep hygiene strategies or tips that you use Maybe if it's like a bedtime routine that you have that you might want to share with our listeners that could help them have a better night's sleep. 
So I really like scheduling my time and Anna you said at the beginning kind of in your head scheduling out oh I've got this long. I actually do schedule it so on like Google Calendar I've actually got like a colour for sleep um, just because I feel like that I, I will actually do it but an hour before when I want to sleep I have an hour blocked out for like a wind down session so that and I have an alarm that goes off that's like okay Georgia May get ready for bed now because and I'm now so used to that that if that alarm doesn't go off I don't know what I would be doing I'd probably stick because I need to have that kind of that schedule for me and that's after like ages of trying to work it out and I'm like okay I think I've finally found something that does work um but I mean I think it's just so important to try out different things and find what works for you because I could say oh this is what I do and but that's not going to help like every single person you know and it's different I don't want to stick to an exact thing so it is you know different each night say maybe one time I'll read for a bit and like say you do a bit of stretching or whatever but then most nights it's just like maybe putting on a meditation or even just like watching something with the brightness down because I know there's this whole thing about blue light and you shouldn't go on your phone two hours before bed and all that but realistically for me any of the things I use to wind down are on electronic devices. So it's a bit difficult to make use of things like Headspace or Cam when I need to go on my phone. So I think just making sure that if you are using, uh, you know, like an iPad or a phone or whatever, that the brightness is on is down or it's on night shift mode, you can get things like that. So I think just kind of playing about with different things and finding what works for you and then but I definitely feel like setting yourself some time before even going to sleep is a really good way of winding down and like getting ready to to relax I think that's such an idea a good idea what you said about trying to actually schedule in your sleep by putting it as an activity because when you think of it sleep is an activity itself but I've never I try and see it that way but I'm quite bad for actually acting upon it and I'll try and schedule in time to do other activities during the day, be it exercise or uni work or reading, but sleep, I just don't. And then I'll sit and wonder why I'm struggling to sleep. And it's because I can often try and just like cram in trying to fall asleep, but use strategies such as trying to like just focus on breath work, like meditation and stuff when I'm asleep. But I think because I can often try this once it's too late, once I've already gotten into bed, knowing that I need to be up within too long it becomes quite like a panic mode so no I think what you've said is such a good idea and something that I'll definitely need to try try and treat it more like an activity like I would everything else it's funny Georgia me because um going back to having the kids people you um health visitors and nurses they put such a big thing on the bedtime routine for babies that actually and for adults it's just not really a thing but at more and more now, you know, as you've said, you've got your that you do on your your calendar. But more and more, I'm reading and I'm seeing that it is a thing for adults. You know, having an actual bedtime routine, and I've certainly in the last sort of few months, I've started reading. Like I come to bed and then I read my book, and that for me really helps my mind wind down. I've also stopped watching the news before I go to bed because watching the news <laughs> just puts the fear in me. And, all the coronavirus I'm like no I don't need to watch that just read your nice book about your love story Lorna there's a happy ending there it's not sad and for me that really helps but yeah the calendar thing that's it's it's really interesting that actually because you know as you say there's always a big thing about kids and babies bedtime routine but for us adults you don't even think about it do you I think that's so true and I think 
as adults as well, we're also, I think, quite quick to sacrifice sleep for other things. So as much as we're saying that sleep is important and that we need to schedule the right amount of time because it's, you know, about how we function and the impact it can have when we don't get our sleep. But I think all of us at some point have been guilty of going, ah, do you know what? I can do with a less hour of sleep. I just want to watch this last episode of this or, you know, going, ah, I'll just, you know, everybody's done the binge watch and ah, just another episode. It's, it's all right. I can, I can handle tomorrow with, with one hour less sleep. And I think, as adults, we're quite quick to sacrifice sleep for other things. Like, especially, remember as a student, I'd be the same on a night out and I'd set myself before I go out, I'd be like, right, I know I've got an early lecture tomorrow morning, so make sure I'm home by, you know, X time. And when you're out and about with your mates and you think, ah, oh, it's fine, it doesn't matter that I'm tired of that lecture tomorrow, like I'm having fun. And so I think sleep is something that we sometimes see in our schedules as this movable thing that is where we can grab a little bit of extra time back if we need some more time in our day. So I think it's maybe about trying to change that kind of process of it. And that's what I've tried to do in terms of my sort of sleep routine, because I was quite guilty of that, um, where I, I wouldn't really see sleep. Was, sleep was like this time that I could claw back for other things and more interesting things to be doing during that time. Um, but for me, I think one of the biggest things, agree with yourselves, turning off like social media for me in particular I don't use it a huge amount but certainly before bedtime I, I, I'm off it entirely Um, caffeine I'm an absolute coffee fiend and it does get me through the day I will you know I, I drink a lot of coffee but I have to give myself a cut off time so that I don't I'm certainly not drinking caffeine two three hours before bedtime because I know how much it affects me and I guess the other one for me is listening to something with all my rocking gigs in my in my earlier youth I've got quite bad tinnitus in one year so I can't get to sleep unless I've got something we recently moved to a much quieter area I used to live beside a very busy road and that was great for me at night because it was that rumbling of traffic and stuff that's something that I've used to find quite soothing especially when you've got tinnitus so for me listening to something BBC Sounds website has been an absolute godsend Um, you can always find stuff on there podcasts dramas true crime that kind of stuff so yeah anything and anything to, to listen to before going to bed and reading as well for sure and I think you're so brave for listening to true crime before you go to bed because <laughs> I could not do that I'd be like oh my god I'm gonna have nightmares um, I am a yeah, little but... weird like that <laughs> <laughs> no it's great I'm so impressed I couldn't do it but I think also like it is important to say that you have to acknowledge your environment. I mean, it's all very well for me to say, oh, I have my alarm set for this time, I do this, I do that. But um, I, since Christmas, I've moved back home and my night routine is very different to what it was when I was in Aberdeen living in a flat where I could be very selfish. I'm now back in a family of five with a dog, younger brothers and sisters, one bathroom. And so even things like that, I need to make sure I know when I've got a time in the bathroom to do my facial, like, you know, wash my face, whatever it is. So it's not as easy for me now to say, oh yeah, I go to bed at 10 o'clock, I'll be asleep by 11 and I'm up at seven. Like I can't rely on that anymore because there are so many things going on or people talking outside my door or people shouting up the stairs and I'm like, I'm trying to sleep. Um, So I think it, it's just finding ways of obviously like, adapting to situations um also before I knew like I could work in the living room or the kitchen or my desk but I think establishing boundaries within 
the spaces that you're in, especially when you're working from home, to know like that you've got a sleep space, you've got a workspace, because just mentally for me, I, I like to know that I have those different areas for different activities um, and I'm more likely to just be in that, uh, just be ready for sleeping in a better state than if I'm sitting at a desk, you know, uh, my brain just kind of works in that compartmentalised way. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to very quickly add to that what you were saying, George, because I completely agree. And I think when you think about your environment, I think especially with us all working from home, I know that a lot of students will be sitting in bedrooms working, um, doing their essays. So their workspaces, their sleep spaces, their relaxed spaces, their everything space. And I think that's a really difficult situation to be in because... Certainly for me, I actually only just last weekend totally decluttered my bedroom because it was really starting to get on top of me. Like I come to bed and realise that actually I wasn't relaxed in the space. I think lighting is also really important. I got myself a, lip, uh, a sort of like mood lamp sort of light thing to just sort of like soften the, the lighting before bed and things as well. So I think thinking about your your space and your environment in terms of like what's physically around you as well is, is really important in terms of getting a good night's sleep. I think in terms of like overall good sleep hygiene is, is kind of about and in sort of encompasses both like your environment as well as like the habits that you then use so your environment during the day as is, is, is important as well getting enough sunlight trying to get outside those kind of things to enhance the, the the fact that you will hopefully get a good night's sleep in the evening so I think it's about combining those things and looking at what your environment is and what you can do and what habits you can do not just like just before bed because a bedtime routine is really important but you know what habits are you doing during the day that make sure that you're getting a good night's sleep so like naps is a really good example for me like I cannot nap I, I will not allow myself to nap because I know that it will mean that I will not sleep that night or it will take me a long time to fall asleep whereas other people I know really benefit from like very quick 10-15 minute naps in the afternoon because it re-energizes them but they're very strict with themselves about how long they allow themselves to do that and things so yeah I think it's about combining looking at your environment as well as trying to put together a good routine and, and good habits. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the environment. It's so true. I mean, for the students and staff, you know, everyone's working from home, studying from home and we're living at home as well. And that is one of the things that keep feeding back from like staff members. It's, it's difficult to separate the two. So I know a couple of friends that have started what they do is in the morning they go out for a walk before they start work or start their studying and then come back in the house and then again in the evening they do it after they're finished they go out and come back in sometimes it's just a 20 minute walk around the block but it's just that separation you know trying to get out as well for fresh air and just set, trying to separate the work day from the life day which is just a challenge for us all just now but it's just to try and try and separate things a wee bit because you know somebody mentioned the other day like their house is their safe space it's their chill space and at the moment there's no chill space or safe space because they're studying there or they're working and so just trying to get out the house and just fresh air I think for me as well that that really helps me. You guys have raised some great points there's definitely a few things there that I can pick up to try and improve my chances of getting a good night's sleep. I really like what you've said, Georgia, about blocking out the time to go to sleep as an activity. Like it might sound a bit silly, but actually you're so right. Um, I think it was you, Anna, that said that so many times that we can just think, oh yeah, I'll do that. And then you like take away chances of your, like take away the time that you should be sleeping. It is like, oh, I'll watch another episode. Oh, what time is it? Yeah, I'll go on, I'll watch another episode. 
And it's not till the morning that you actually regret it when you've got to try and get up or I suppose right now it's a little bit easier to think like I can turn my alarm off. I don't actually, it doesn't take me as long to get ready anymore. You know, I'm going from my bedroom to my spare room. I'm not having to do the commute to work. But I also feel as well, like within the lockdown and being at home, I've found that I actually am sleeping much more and much better because I am having more time at home, which makes me not, you know, if I'm normally on a normal day to day, I'd get up, I'd go to the gym, I'd go to work. So I'm out of my house for so long that I have very little chill time when you come home. So you want to kind of harness that and chill for as much as you can. And I've certainly been guilty before and been like, oh, I don't want to go to bed because then when I get up, I have to do it all over again. I don't quite feel like that now with being at home because I feel like I do have a little bit more chill time. So I am thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just go to bed. And I've noticed such a difference that I'm... I do check my my Fitbit app and there's many, many times now, way more than what there was before, that was saying that my sleep quality has been good and I'm hitting my target every night of getting at least seven and a half hours sleep. And it's really, really helped me in terms of like my motivation for the day. So yeah, I, I find it super helpful. And I guess there is there is things as well, like I find that I get a better night's sleep if I exercise, but I have to kind of exercise during the day because if you exercise too close to the evening then you'll still have that endorphin hit and you'll then struggle to sleep because you've got like your runner's high or you know whatever so I think it's it's important to kind of have that healthy lifestyle but also watch the timings it's the same with with eating for me I can't I can't go to sleep with a empty stomach or a full stomach so I've got to like think when am I going to eat for when am I going to go to bed whereas like my husband he has like a massive like bedtime snack that helps him go to sleep but for me that would just keep me awake so it is all about like what works for you there's kind of no right way or wrong way like the ultimate goal is to get a good quality night's sleep and if you have that then you've achieved your goal then like amazing (laughs) as such I think this episode has been so good. I've like learned so much from you guys and it's been so interesting to hear your perspectives. And it's been so good to realise that we're not alone in terms of like sometimes struggling to sleep, but there is things that we can do to hopefully ha- help. And like there's certainly things that I'll take away and try. And hopefully you guys have learned something too and hopefully so of our listeners. And I'd just like to thank you guys for giving up the time and, and joining me today. It's been so good. And if any of our listeners want to know any more information about any of the themes we've discussed today if they just visit the University of Aberdeen website and search for Be Well there'll be loads of uh, links and tips there that can maybe help you get a better night's sleep as well. So thank you all so much for tuning in I hope you've enjoyed the episode take care and I'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.